What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabakian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Hear ye, hear ye, we are here to continue Commander 2016. This is part two of our review of the Commander 2016 decks. We've already talked about the mana bases. We've introduced you to the commanders and the alternate partner commanders that were included in the deck. But before we dive into the cards in this set, we want to encourage you guys to take the survey that we've got going and also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We're at UUD Podcast and Untap Upkeep Drink. And we've got a special little product here sent to us by a viewer. These are dope. These are custom tokens and or... Oh, they got like Monarch token, Soul Ring. Yeah, like I want to call them altars, but they're not. They're... they're um, they're like personalized art collections. Like the the dude spent the time. They're proxies. Yeah. Is what they are. Yep. And it's if you want to check them out, it's Berth on Twitter. B a e r t h e. Yeah. Apologize if you spell your name right because like <laughs> yeah, they're at hope I'm saying that right. Amaranthalchemy.com. Yeah. We'll have so that this guy hit me up idea. on Twitter and was talking about the podcast and just was like, "Hey, do you guys want?" To check them out and see what they look like and feel like, and maybe talk about them on the show. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, we love cards. Why not? So he sent us a whole bundle full of these tokens. Yeah. And then Gary and sent Gory and I in our group chat, just like, yo, check these out. And we'll say, oh, what the fuck? Where'd that come from? Yeah. They are sick as so hell. They're, the art is super dope. They feel really good. They're double sided. They have like anything you could ever want a token. They There's probably one for them. Like they. They have spirit tokens. They have creature tokens. This one's on an adventure, like yeah, like relevant shit. That's yeah. Like this one's it's sense. just a generic copy token, like so you can have it as a placeholder for anything you want. Yeah, I've got vampire, soldier, thopter, angel. Yeah, rat. I've already dibs the goblin token. <laughs> yeah, so like. There's a lot of goodies in here. You should definitely go and, check them out. And they're super un- unique. They're almost like steampunk feel. Because they're dark and dingy, but they've just got super unique kind of cartoon-based artwork. They're That's really, really cool. Yeah, and I feel like these are like those custom, unique things that people want to pop out on a table. I'm like, oh, let me let me grab my let me grab my tokens. <laughs> and you pop out these, like, holy yeah, shit! I've, where did you get those? I've never seen any tokens like these. Yeah, there's a lot of work sick. that has gone into them. But uh, yeah, we wanted to give a shout out to Bareth. That is, uh, first of all, it's an extremely generous gift. Thank yeah, you very thank much. You, these are you. dope. But also, you know, go check them out on Twitter. These are really cool, very unique tokens. So I think they fit into kind of our our uh, audience here of people who like to like to spice out a bit. it yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, considering that some of my favorite tokens are the ones I've gotten from Card Kingdom, and that's kind of like the same idea with this one. Is it's just like. Dope proxies if you, you know, want to play with proxies, but also just like the the token value I think is just huge there. Yeah. So as we get into these decks here, we are going to be sipping on a very unique, uh, spicy... Shut the fuck up and let me explain this shit. Very spicy boy. Yeah, a, a very unique drink here. Let, let me uh, turn it over to Drew, who knows quite a bit more about what we're about to be drinking on the night. We're about to put in our bodies. Yeah, so on the 2015 episode, I thought that it was a special time because it was what got us into Commander. It was what really like 
pushed us to the next level as far as magic is concerned. And so I was like, yo, let's open up a new one of these Game of Thrones scotches. Haven't had it before. Basically, no one I know has. Uh, I've got the full collection at this point in time, and it took a lot of effort to get there. Uh, And I grabbed what was number three as far as the ones that I had bought. So I was like, you know what? If we're going to do 2016 in two episodes, I might as well grab number one and number two that I've opened. And so the first one we have is actually the Greyjoy Talisker. This is the Talisker Select Reserve Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. It is 45.8%. Nice. I like that. It's a heavy point. It is delectable. It is wonderfully smoky and somehow, somehow still like super smooth, got like nice oaky characteristics. Uh, this has nothing to do with the liquor, but I'm not necessarily a Greyjoy fan, but the label, because it's sea creature themed, I'm so fucking hooked. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's super, super Sold. Uh, <laughs> last time, Corey, you mentioned that the smoke was the reason why you like enjoyed certain scotches, or I guess not enjoyed them, but liked them more than they others. They make it palatable because they add like a, a complexity and flavor that I enjoy. The Talisker is Everything that you want out of scotch. Yeah. It's it's really, really Smoke fucking me good. Out. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, and the other one is the one that I actually opened on my brother's birthday. Um, we've got the Dalwini Winter's Frost Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. And the best thing that I could describe it as was uh, very similar to a Japanese whiskey. And it's kind of hard to describe. It does have some smoky notes, some oaky notes, uh, that like peaty scotch flavor but it's done exceptionally well. Like the Japanese whiskey, the reason why I describe it similar to that is because they've kind of like refined the craft and taken very specific flavors that they're looking for. And that's what I get out of it is like, it's a honed craft. It really is like a lot of time and effort and like generations that have gone into it. Okay, so this one that's the, is the smoky Kraken. Correct. Right away, as you can tell, it's just alcohol. Because we said, what, 45.8%? Yeah. Heavy. You do get a lot of smoke just from the aroma. It's nice and beautiful. All these scotches that Drew's brought are just beautiful, beautiful. Just Good. amber gold colors. Weirdly enough, though, we have like a half an inch in each of these glasses, and yet you can already tell a color difference between the two of them. Yeah, the Talisker is a lot darker. Yeah, it's like a real amber, gold, almost orange kind of color. And the other is... Almost a yellow golden. Yeah, that's sort of a, a hay. So you were not lying when you said this was just smoke because it really is just smoke. And it is delicious. It's, yeah. You get a lot of just sweet notes and then just right into this just smoky complex flavors. I don't like the the alcohol burn that you get, but that's you can't fight that when it comes to liquor. And But all the other notes, it's just, it's very, very complex. Like it's... <laughs> Still developing on my palate as I talk, but it's it's very overpowering smokiness <laughs> in the best way. That's too much for me, but I will say, first taste, it had a little bit of sweetness, a whole lot of alcohol sharpness. As I swallowed it, weirdly enough, the alcohol started to dissipate, and all I get is campfire. Like, yeah, genuinely that, that sitting was, around a yeah. fucking campfire with my friends, which is kind of a nostalgic flavor to me i was like oh you know this is kind of you know feel a little manly like we're camping but it's also just not what i want to drink uh i definitely wouldn't wouldn't buy it for myself but that is an intense flavor that is 
to me, impressive to get out of such a clean looking liquor. Like that's all you taste is burnt peat. Yeah, it's just, it's smoke distilled yeah. down. <laughs> it's wild. So the next one is the Domini. This is the one. It already smells less harsh. Yeah, it will. Uh, less alcohol content, things like 43%. Uh, the smoke just isn't as overpowering, um, but. Hmm. That is interesting. <clears throat> There's a lot more sweet, caramely notes to that that one's a lot closer to the scotch we had before the cardio reserve yeah yeah another another episode the c15 episode that one's infinitely more enjoyable to my palate uh but it is still quite harsh on the alcohol content like you said like it's a scotch it's gonna be harsh but it is a liquor that is straight yeah it's quite good yeah it's it's a lot sweeter than i thought it was gonna be pretty good i like i guess it's just my inexperienced with scotch because I don't mm-hmm. ever expect them to be sweet. <laughs> I just expect them to be bitter and harsh and smoky and alcohol. just not what I want. <laughs> yeah. But this one is really sweet. And it's like, it's different levels of sweet. <laughs> Drew's, over Drew's here just like a party. giddy schoolboy. Yeah. But yeah. it's... I'm so happy. There's It just flows in layers. Like you get some sweetness at the beginning and then it just flows into the alcohol notes and then just flows into like the the aged barrel taste and then it flows back into the sweetness and then I guess that's why people love scotch because they are so complex yeah the the Talisker as soon as I had it I knew the Corey would like that one a bit more the Domini I think is more approachable for most people but I think that the Cardu Reserve is not necessarily like we had before yeah I don't think it's like a a baby step by any means because any of these single malt scotches are very intense yes um but I think that the Cardu is something that a lot, a lot of people I think will be able to appreciate more. It's the most approachable, scotch, exactly for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Dolmeni is kind of the, the next step up. But the Dolmeni again, it, it is it reminds me of a, a Japanese whiskey because it does have like these very distinct notes that are super refined. And that is, I mean, it's kind of ironic that I compare it that way when it's literally the other way around, where the Japanese whiskey is uh, an imitation, is a mimicry of the scotches. So. Kind of funny there, but uh, I think we've talked about this long enough. So now that we've gotten into all these delicious scotches, let's actually talk some magic and dive back into these C16, cream of the crop, 10 out of 10. They set the bar for magic commander set. Four color commanders. Uh, Can I talk about scotches some more? No. Okay. (laughs) We'll do that later. So the first thing we have are (laughs) just some cycles that we're just going to Try and skim through pretty fast because they, they're they not as interesting as a lot of the other cards that we're going to talk I about. I think that they're, like, in in, themselves. they're important, and I'm glad they included them, but they're they're just sort of, yeah, this is a cool card. Boom, done. Kind of. I don't know. The first one we have is basic land cycling, which is a dope-ass ability that they brought back. Yeah. So with the basic land cycling, they had, I think it was just allied colored pairs. One of the good examples is Sylvan Reclamation. I think it's three green white, uh, and what are what are the, one of the things that green and white do really well together in Commander? Tokens, exile, and artifacts and enchantments. Yes, and so it's five mana to exile two artifacts or enchantments. I guess like one of each or like just yeah, two I, I in think total. It's return to dust, similar. Basically, yeah, and it also has basic land cycling for two. So go fetch yourself a basic. But I think that all of the 
the ones in there. There's the Treacherous Terrain, uh, which is the red-green Grave Upheaval for red and black, Ancient Excavation for blue-black, and Migratory Root for white-blue. Um, so, like, blue-white skies, uh, like, Discard and, like, uh, Grave Recursion. Like, there's a bunch of things in there that match the color pairings that I think is really strong for color identity purposes, but also the fact that you can just go land cycle them is, is dope. Yeah, we talk about all the time, but just modular cards is very important in EDH. And you can get it early game, pitch it to color fix to cast your commander, or if you get it late game, you can actually play this awesome card and do something with it. Yeah, it's weird because the modularity to it is the like land cycling. Yeah. Bit. But it's such a strong ability that again, I feel like a lot of the things in the set are really underplayed because of like the hype between the commanders and like partner commanders. That a lot of the things that are like new and less exciting are just kind of missed by a lot of people. Yeah, because a lot of these mechanics they just help focus and make the decks run better, which people want to see the flashy, awesome things, not how well the deck runs. But but that's the most important thing when it comes to playing these decks. And basic land cycling. Like, all cycling is at instant speed. Yeah. So, hey, let me go get the color I need for the turn. Yeah, they, they fix you, they get you on curve, and they thin out your deck. Yeah, I mean, not not so much Oosh. as commander It's, release, it's but. not as relevant, but it's still an extra card that you might not have to draw. Yeah. So all of these things are, are good things out of these cards. And while we're not going to, like, read off every single one of them, it's something that you should look into, that these are cards that are very real cards yeah. in their own right. They're overcosted for the effect, but the fact that they can basically land cycle really makes up for that. Yeah, that's why a lot of people run Ash Barons just run Ash Barons. That's because it has basic land cycling. Yep. The next cycle is pretty dope. It's, it's, it's it is a it's, commander. Yeah, it's cycle. different. <laughs> yeah. So this is the undaunted cycle. We've got Sublime Exaltation, Coastal Breach, Curtain's Call, Divergent Transformations, and Seeds of Renewal. The Undaunted mechanic says, this spell costs one less to cast for each opponent. So each of these spells does something a little bit different, and we'll have those up on the screen. But basically what we're saying is, hey, play this in Commander, and you will have some cheap-ass spells, because you're going to have two, three, four opponents. Yeah, white is Wrath of God, blue is... Basically, it's it's basically it's cyclonic, grave, but it affects everybody. Yeah, I was gonna say it's basically the symmetrical cyclonic. Yeah, There's it's, a, it's a card. balanced cyclonic. It's not evacuation because evacuation is only creatures. Oh, but. that's the card I was thinking. Of, yeah. yeah, curtains call uh, just destroy two creatures. Divergent transformations uh, is it's, chaos warp. Yeah, for all of your opponents. No, it's just exile two two things. And then season renewal is just regrowth times two. Yeah, so they're not crazy, but the fact that. I think they all cost like six or seven mana, something like that. The fact that they could cost two or three is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay if they went back to the Undaunted mechanic and, make, Undaunted and made sweet. better cards. Because these ones are... The Wrath of God okay. is good. The Wrath of God is good. The blue one is good in certain scenarios just because it clears everything out. Yeah, the rest of them are kind of trash. But just flavor-wise, it's so oh, yeah. sweet. Like, oh, yeah. I don't give a fuck how many opponents I have. I'm still casting this card. Yeah, like, if you're looking at, like, the Wrath of God one specifically, like, it's seven mana, which, I mean, sometimes you pay seven mana for a Wrath. Yeah. But, like, the fact that you could also just pay four mana, and it's not double white for Wrath of God, you lose the, you know, subtext of, you know, no regeneration, but... Most of the one time, white pip for a wrath of God. 
fucking deal, dude. All right. We've also got the monocolored shared cycle. And this is one that, again, is kind of underplayed. And the reason why I put it on here is not for the individual cards, but the fact that the cards play into the strategies of the deck and play against the other strategies of the other decks. So uh, we've got uh, Orsav, Advocist, Grip of Phyresis, Parting Thought, Frenzied Few, and Evolutionary Escalation. So uh, the Advocist is the white one. Uh, it basically allows you to trade counters uh, across the board for a pillow fort-like effect. Like you, I think you put two plus one plus one counters. Uh, each player can elect to put it on one of their creatures. If they do, they can't attack you on their next turn. So for you, you just get free counters. For others, they have to make the decision, hey, do I put the counters on here? If I do, that means I can't attack them, but I can attack other people. So it's part of the, the pillow fort idea of you can attack anyone around you and I'll, I'll, I'll even help you out there, but don't attack me. Yeah, it's this is a kill on sight card because if you don't take the counters, everyone's going to look at you like, oh, he's going to attack cre- you. My creatures are already going to be better because they're already getting plus one plus counters and they're bigger and you don't want to play nice with anybody. So, yeah. uh, Grip of Fire is dope because it's rare that stuff. you get to steal equipment specifically, like yeah. artifacts maybe, but it's equipment and it also makes a, a germ token for that to go on. So it's like, hey, nice sword you got there. I'm going to take that and make a, make a germ with it. Yeah, and I think the scary part is that it's instant speed. So right. So you can just yeah. like, I'm going to suit up and swing for lethal. I was like, nah, I'm going to steal all that yeah. good stuff. Uh, so Parting Thought is the black one. It is really cool because it is not just removal, but also cares about the number of counters on things. I put plus and plus and counters on our outline just because that's the one that's going to be most relevant in most situations, but it's like an anti-proliferate uh, card. Uh, Frenzy Fugue is the red one. Uh, it's threatened, but for permanence, and it happens each turn. And for four mana, that's not too bad. Uh, red enchantment, which, again, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's weird. And the green one is plus one, plus one counters for all. You get three plus one, plus one counters, but you got to put one, or put three on somebody else's stuff. And so, like, it allows you to buff up, like, one creature really massive, but spread out the plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, I remember one game where we were playing with this card out, and I think one person we had had like a 2020 land war elves <laughs> like it was super dope <laughs> that's when you like look someone in the eye and you like tap it and they're like oh shit he's he's swinging at me tap for green <laughs> exactly yeah it was just stupid stuff like that it's like because they all only blocked with it and it was like it was awesome <laughs> all right and then we've got the continuation of our super ultra meta Mega cycle or super cycle, depending on who you ask. We've got Magus of the Will, not Wheel, but Will. Yeah, that's a bit confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the sort of spanning, overarching uh, cycle that they did between 2015 and now. They have not completed it quite yet. Magus of the Wheel is two and a black for a 3-3 creature human wizard, and you can pay two and a black to tap him, exile Magus of the Wheel, and until the end of your turn, you, you really may play gotta, cards. You really got to emphasize that will. Will. Because you keep saying wheel. Until end of turn, you may, <laughs> you may play cards from your graveyard. If a card would be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. So this is obviously a uh, less than ideal copy of Yagmoth's wheel. Yagmoth wheel. Yagmoth wheel. Uh, I think this cycle is really cool because it gives people a cheaper money-wise 
way to get a hold of really powerful effects. But obviously, because they're also cheaper and they're worried about this like reserve list type of interaction with Watsi, they're also not as good, but they're still good. They're yeah. still powerful. So the cycle is effects. again sorceries that have been turned into creatures for the same cost but then they have an activated ability in order to get that effect they that the original sorcery almost feel like a planeswalker that can cast that sorcery. You know what I mean? In an essence, it's like the embodiment of the sorcery within a creature. The creature comes out, you can use it as a creature, but it also has the ability to create that effect, which is kind of cool. Some of the important mentions that we're going to talk about that don't fall within a cycle. Let's talk about the Saskia deck first. All right, so one of the cards on the list here is one of the cards that I want to put in so many decks, but it's expensive. Yeah. It's like 10 bucks. And also, it's con convert mana cost real high. It's also yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's the Stone Hoof Chieftain. Uh, most of the cards on this these lists we're not actually going to read, but Stone Hoof Chieftain, I think, is probably... It's, it's weird and different enough because yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so it's seven and a green for a creature, Centaur Warrior. It's an 8-8 eight, eight Trample, indestructible. Whenever another creature you control attacks, it gains trample and indestructible until end of turn. I can't tell you how many times I've been killed by this thing. Because yeah. they play it and they swing out and it's like, I thought I could block. Yeah, I, but you I can't, can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, you you can block, but it won't it, matter. It will not matter. No. I will still die. <laughs> well, uh, just, I will still lose. Just really quick before we move on to the next card. This is a centaur warrior. But if you look at the bottom of the half of this big boy, that's a fucking hippo. Anyway, just because you <laughs> make, on you make the... it sound like centaurs can't be half hippos. I don't believe they can. They're supposed to be half horse, half human. Half human? Half human. This is a half hippo, half tree folk. <laughs> Fucking ent over here. All, All right. right. The next guy has the most flavorful name. It's one of my favorite cards from Khan's <laughs> Block. Ankle Shanker. Woo! The big, the bad. Uh, basically, whenever it uh, attacks, creatures you control get first strike and death touch. The lethal combination. Yeah, fuck with my shit. I like, dare I will you. not block yeah. twice. <laughs> uh, love that card. Uh, we've got Brutal Horde Chief, which whenever you attack, you just drain or your opponent loses life. Yeah, and it has a really weird and cool thing that I've always wanted to build around. But it's three and then Boros Hybrid Mana. Boros Hybrid Mana. Creatures your opponents control block this turn if able and you choose how those creatures block. Interesting. So deciding how things block, you can just hose them so yeah. hard. And then we also have, we also have Charging Cinderhorn, uh, which allows you to force other players to attack or basically just deal damage out, which yeah. is super good. Uh, and then one card that I love in this list, and that's Blind Obedience, which is a control card. Uh, creatures, creatures and artifacts your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. Super dope. And people are like, why is that an aggro deck? Because if your opponent's shit is tapped, you can attack them for free. And then underutilized, it also has extort, so you can get incidental value. Yeah. So the all of these cards that I you know, throw together on this list are basically, I mean, including Stonehoof Chieftain, but that card I feel like is in a league of its own, are cards that enable you to be aggressive and force your opponents to attack, to block uh, in ways that are favorable to you. And I think that that's super dope in a deck that is all about aggro. Yeah, Saskia is all about double damage. Also, shout out to Seb McKinnon for the art on Blind Obedience. So good. It's tight. So the next one we have is Berea. Yeah, Berea. <laughs> next one we have is Berea. <laughs> and the first card we have on this is Duretti, which is 
the monorail planeswalker from that last episode commander. we talked about. Can be yeah. your commander. Yeah. So it's this deck cares about artifacts, and Doretti is an artifact powerhouse. Yeah. So he is a great include in this deck. The next one is Trinket Mage, which just tutors. Is that it's one or less, right? One or less. Tutors for your soul ring, basically. Nice. Next one is Trash for Treasure, which cheats out artifacts because you sacrifice one and you get one out of your graveyard. Super dope. I've I've abused that card a lot. <laughs> and the last one is a just a solid one. It's just Fell Warstone. Yeah, in, in a deck that cares so much about uh, artifacts already, I feel like I put this on the list. Obviously, nobody else was like, "Why is this card?" In there? It's not the best card, but it's like one of those ones that has those dual synergies. Like you need a ramp card. You just need one. And this is basically, especially in this uh, meta, it's going to get you any color. But it's also just an extra artifact to have on the battlefield. Yeah, I think another toot out on this is Mycosynth Wellspring. Yeah, and the, the other one that I think Wellspring draws you a card or the other one gives you a land or vice versa. I can't remember the names of them. But those, I think they're two drop artifacts. They come in and they get you either a card or a land. And then when they are, when they go to the graveyard, they get you either a card or a land, respectively. And in Bray, you're sacrificing a lot of things and putting things back onto the bat- battlefield from the graveyard and doing a lot of weird trickery through that. And so I think those cards are very good. Yeah. Plus, you know, shout out to uh, Mirror Battlesphere. I love that card. I love me some mirrors. Yeah. The next one we got here is Yidris Maelstrom Wander. And we've got kind of a a package of what we call the wheels. We've got Wheel of Fate, Windfall, and Whispering Madness. Obviously, we're missing (laughs) Wheels of Fortune. But it's got a really good Windfall kind of wheels package. I mean, Wheel of Fate is... Super good. Quite good. I like to put it in every single one of my red decks. Very sneaky in a Cascade deck. Sean has this in his Yedris Cascade Wheels deck. And it is the only card that Cascades for zero in that deck. So if he ever plays a one drop with Cascade, it always hits a wheel. And he can always reliably hit that. It's disgusting. I (laughs) love Wheel of Fortune. Uh, The only time I've actually played with it was in an online cube. Because no one has the fucking money to play with that, uh, and it was absolutely just gut wrenching to have have played you know against it, and so to have it for one mana. Yeah, the next one we have on here, and as far as like honorable mentions and really good cards, is Chromatic Lantern. It's a three generic mana artifact that adds one mana of any color if you tap it, but it also says lands you control have tap and add one mana of any color. So hey, this I heard you like mana rocks. Yeah. And also, I heard you like to play multicolored spells. Also, Tons I heard you fours. like to play a four-colored deck. Yeah. Let me put all the things you like. Let me just make sure that any land you play can do whatever you want it to. Yeah, I think they messed up by giving this to only one deck. Yeah, yep. absolutely. In a, in a set of four-colored decks, yeah. this should have been all of them. Yeah. Yeah, why is this the fucking deck that got it? I know. I don't know how they made that decision. Like, uh, we need more ramp in this one, I guess. Even yeah, I though it know. has green in it. That's good. Next one we got is Waste Knot, which is one in a black for an enchantment. And whenever an opponent discards a creature card, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Whenever an opponent discards a land card, add two black mana to your mana pool. And whenever an opponent discards a non-creature non-land card, draw a card. This is another kill on sight. <sighs> the value they get. All of the things that Yidris is trying to pump out in this deck it just 
creates yeah, value from every action. What's funny is that this deck has three enchantments, all three of which we're going to talk about. Because we already talked about Frenzied Fugue, right? It's part of the cycle of just like random shit. Waste not, you know, absolutely. Like it is a kill on sight. And then also has burgeoning. Oh, burgeoning. Fuck. Banger alert. Damn. So burgeoning is a enchantment for a single green. And it reads, whenever an opponent plays a land, you can also play a land from your hand. So not only can you ramp on your turn, you can ramp on other people's turns. Yeah, it's it's a really There's good There's some, some very mean things where you can play it on turn one, and then when it gets to your turn two, already have four mana to play Yidris, <laughs> and then just start going, and the value, you're just so far you, ahead you that it's hard, that. it's hard to keep up. Like you just stomp and them. Burgeoning is still getting value. Yeah. Like the fact that you can wheel and like have wheels that are friendly to you, where it doesn't matter if you discard stuff, like you're still drawing up to seven. Hey, oh no, I drew like four more lands and now I'm at seven and you guys are three. Yeah. Get like fucked. A card like that compared to like the White's version, which is like maybe Tithe or landfall or some shit like that where like you have to have less than everybody else this land is just always yeah. if you have a land in your hand it's going on the battle yeah I think we talked about it in the last episode with the commanders that care about what other people are doing yeah and like maybe stopping them from playing spells or doing things people aren't gonna stop playing lands no, they, like, they were always play lands and so you will always make your land drops yeah turn one burgeoning is one of the best like Honestly, like the best cards you could ever possibly play on turn one. It's almost as scary as a turn one soul ring. Like I think that it is worse. Yeah, I think that is it is one of the few cards that is scarier than a turn one soul ring, only for the first few turns of the game. Whereas turn one soul ring is going to have that power level throughout the game because of the abusability. But like, yeah, yeah, the fact that turn two with a soul ring you might have three, but with a burgeoning you could have four. Colored. colored man. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's some true. crazy shit. Yeah, there's yeah. some like, scary. Um, yeah, burgeoning definitely falls business. off quickly, but yeah, the but fact. it's still so good. Like you have to have value in your time. hand. Yeah, right. That's the problem. All right, up next we've got Kaneo Yokes, Kaneo and Tiro. Tiro. So these, this is the group hug deck. This is a partner commander that's not a partner commander because they're yeah, partners it's, it's together. It's just two one fours, just yeah. hugging everybody. <laughs> Most so of themselves. Obviously, but. there's a lot of hug effects. So like rights of flourishing, howling mind, get everybody to draw cards. I love ramp more. Yeah, howling mind's great. And then at the same time, there's a lot of prison effects. There's I love propaganda, go to <laughs> prison, sphere of safety. So it's like attack everybody else. You got to pay to attack me. Just yeah. we're cool. And I'll help you so that you so you can kill everybody else. Yeah. yeah, but don't don't fuck with me. Yeah, and so the last ones we have are the finishers, which are I lurking predators, finishers. which are they just whenever people cast spells, you just get shit for free. And then the next one is Primeval Protector, which I think is a very interesting one. Yeah, but it's, it's hard to evaluate this one sometimes. Yeah, it, it is weird. So it's 10 and a green for a 10-10 avatar. Primeval Protector costs one less to cast for each creature your opponent's control. So in a commander game, it's a lot of the time going to cast just a single green. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like three is where I see it the most. Yeah, and then when Primeval Protector enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each other creature you control. Which is dope, but... Sometimes you cast Primeval Protector and you cast Primeval Protector. <laughs> yeah. the At the very worst, it's a 10-10 still that pumps everything you have for probably less than 11 mana. You're never going to cast it for full cost. Nah. 
So it's, but it has no evasion. Like that's the thing. Of, like there's a lot of things that, like I, like I said, it, it is a card that is hard to evaluate. Yeah. Let's go to the, to the very deck. last. I was gonna say last, but certainly best. Yeah. We've one, got the attracts. So first one I put on the list is just arguably one of the top. I would say top three board wipes in Commander. Merciless Eviction. Quite good. Four, white, black. And most board wipes are pretty content with just destroying stuff. Merciless Eviction was like, eh, let me let me one-up that. So choose one. Exile all artifacts. Exile all creatures. Exile all enchantments. Or exile all planeswalkers. So this thing Never hits that before. <laughs> on all facets. And it's an exile effect. Like this thing is a fucking beast. Yeah, we talk about modularity in cards, and this is one of the most modal board wipes you can get. I think it is the one that has the the largest variety of things you can do yeah. as far as like permanent types you can affect. Yeah, and Drew, like you said, exiling is so much stronger than just simply destroying. It's just if they throw on the restriction, you have to be at least an Orzob. Yeah. Oh, bummer. I have to play white, I guess. is kind of like the downside. Yeah, I get access to all the rest of the good board wipes because I'm also in black. <laughs> like, I'll just exactly. play this too. The next one we got on here is Colonian Hydra. Hell yeah. Three green green for a zero zero with trample. Whack. Yeah. <laughs> Creature Hydra. Hell Colonian yeah. Hydra enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. So it's a four, four for five. Hell yeah. But whenever Colonian Hydra attacks, double the number of plus one plus one counters on it each creature you control. God Hell damn. Yeah. yeah. I think we've talked about it before, but whenever a card says double on in yeah. it, that's like it's already okay, bad. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> and anytime a card says each, it's also <laughs> wearisome. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that there's there's two words on here that are like troublesome. <laughs> double, each. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. like <laughs> two steps back, yeah, please, those sir. Together, we're in some. A lot. Yeah, especially in a deck that's power. already proliferating. So it's already trying to add counters and do things. To make some broken shit happen, this one's it's powerful. This was printed before Winding Constrictor. Well, that's a bummer. Nah, Winding Constrictor is easy <laughs> slot, and you put that in quick. Uh, we've also got Corpse Jack Menace, which is, I mean, I was talking about Winding Constrictor. Let's just talk about what is basically the same. I do love the art. Yeah, Corpse Jack Menace is dope. So, two black green creature fungus for a 4 4. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, Twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on instead. So when you can trick, just adds an additional one. This one doubles it, but it is limited to plus one plus one counters versus just counters in general. This yeah. should have been a four four creature demogorgon. That'd be dope. Up next, we've got Tusk Guard Captain, two and a green for a two three creature human warrior with the outlast mechanic. Ooh, throwback. Once again, put that on because. I just love cons. Like it's one of my, it's still one of the best draft environments. It's a lot of fun. So basically, you pay a green, tap the creature, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature, outlast only as a sorcery, and each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample. So in a deck like the Atraxel one, there's a lot of plus one plus one counters floating around. Ways to move counters around, say Rayhan or any of the other shit going on, and allows you to you know swing out wide and go big. Yeah, a lot of these plus one plus one counters are they're kind of slow and they just slowly build up counters. But the tracks you can just keep pumping them out. You just got to get one on each creature and then you just keep going and going and going. Yep. Up next, we've got Revelark, which is four and a white for a four three creature elemental with flying. It's Revelark. 
When Revelark leaves the battlefield, return up to two target creature cards with power two or less from your graveyard to your battlefield. It's just value right there. That's what that is. Yep, it's just not much to say. So Thrumming Bird is one in a blue creature bird horror for 1-1. One, one. When Thrumming Bird deals combat damage to a player, proliferate. Gets out early, starts proliferating quick. Very evasive. Uh, yeah, it's odd how many people in a commander game are not going to have flyers. I would bet that at least two, probably three in a four-player game aren't going to have flyers. Yep, you're always going to have a target. And free proliferate is, I mean, Real good. Look, look at Atraxa. I mean, if you can proliferate twice every turn. Yeah, you're winning that game. Seriously, especially in a Super Friends or anything, if you tune it up. Well, this next card that we're going to talk about, the last card in the deck that we found noteworthy, has two of our favorite words, double and each. <laughs> it's Deep Glow Skate. Four and a blue for a 3-3 creature fish. When Deep Glow Skate enters the battlefield, double the number of each kind of counter on any number of target permanents. See, if it wasn't permanents, it would be a balanced and fair magic card. If it was just creatures. If it was just creatures. But since it can target planeswalkers, you can immediately ult things. And it's just a different kind of... It's literally double doubling season. It's a one-time doubling season. That you can abuse and recur and bounce very easily and abuse Go the hell out of it. Yeah. That card is innocuous by itself, but paired with pretty much anything else is Paired with anything too in much. this deck, you'll just yeah. accidentally win. So, so It's also like a $10 card. We've talked a lot about all the decks, but power level as a set, what do you guys think? Zero to ten. Nine. Yeah, it's it's hard to rate them a ten, but Drew, I agree with you. There's, they're all nines because they all, or maybe not they're all nines, but the set as a whole is nines. Like They all do different and interesting things, new things that we've always wanted. Attracts is like a nine and a half. So yeah, some are more- Idris, like 9.25. busted than others. They can all be- taken apart and focused and broken in their own different way. But like, then they also provide so much utility and support across the board for yeah. doing whatever the fuck you want. Like, yeah, just at, at the baseline, they're just so well built. And we've said this before, this is like the gold standard. This is the peak of commander sets. Like they nailed it so much that every set after this, we've judged against this one because it was so good. And comically enough for us where we, you know, didn't start recording until last year. We've judged prior sets in comparison to 2016. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's unfair for those sets because yeah. obviously, like, they didn't have that. As I was going to say, standard. 2011 was probably awesome the year it came out, but now looking well, back, 20, around, 2011 was dope. 2013, hit and miss, you know, there's some, some goodies there. 2014, some broken shit. 2015, you're looking at like experience and you obviously see like a, a vast disparity uh, across the decks. And then 2016, and you just see. Like, finally, like, you're hitting a home run because you have consistency, which is not a word that I think a lot of people associated with a commander deck. And then you associate that with a four-color deck, and it's just, it was a good time to be to be a commander player. I wish that I had invested more at the time. I wish I bought all the decks. <laughs> yeah. the One of the highest praises we can give this is, like, if you see one of these decks, you should definitely pick it up. And... It's hard to say that with a lot of the recent commander sets. Like, well, if you don't like this or if you aren't into this mechanic or you don't like these colors, 
probably just skip these decks. But these ones, like, pick any of these decks, and they're all going to be awesome and good and play well and just be a ton of fun. And they, like, honestly, there's so much diversity within the decks that all somehow still synergize together. Yeah. And that's not something that we have been able to get out of Commander decks because before it's like, oh, look at these three, like, commanders that you could have. You know, you've got Nekusar, you've got Haleva, you've got whatever. Maximundar. Yeah, literally. And it's like, great. Two of you are useless. Two of you are, like, wasting slots in my deck for, for cards that I want. But at the same time, like, I could build a deck around you later, but I don't have the time or investment to do it. And now it's just like, yo, this deck is pretty focused. You could pick the partner commanders and have a good time. You can mix it up, whatever. You could just take those cards out and just, like, focus it down and only really have to swap out, like, five cards, and you'd be solid. The last question we have on our outline is, was this a successful product? I think it's a resounding yes. Absolutely. I mean, it's a $200 uh, I even put it in per deck. <laughs> In in perfect terms, yep or peppers, baby. <laughs> it's, this it's hard to these, that. <laughs> these decks were great. I mean, nobody looks at these decks and goes, "Yeah, yeah, I wish they hadn't done that." Uh, so I think you could literally model your land base off of these decks. Yeah, and be okay, and do it in a way that's affordable. Yeah, they they were built well. They ran well. They had interesting themes. They had new themes. They had awesome cards that we all wanted to build around and, and take apart and separate into new decks but we yeah. left them in there because the deck ran so well together anyways yeah they had dope new commanders the fucking partner mechanic was unreal like fuck all of the four color commanders the partners are where like the the gold is out of it and the the four color commanders are insane they're dope they're super fun to build around but like the the partner commanders just allow it opens up so much for you this is one of the few times where I'll say, just look up the deck list and like look at what's in there. A lot of the things in there will just seem fine. But in the situation where you're playing those decks, they really do coordinate super well together, which I feel like isn't always the case with pre-constructed commander decks. And I think that's one of the reasons why Commander 2016 is so good. It's not just the four-color commanders. It's not just the partner commanders. It's not the fact that they have a really solid mana base to support that. It's not that they have good cards that work well with the partner commanders and the original commanders. It's all of that together that makes such a damn good product. Yeah, it's the complete package. Also, shout out to Thrasios for only being a rare, not a mythic. Obviously, expect another commander episode in the works here soon we're gonna do 17 18 and 19 and hopefully catch up before we uh hit ikoria maybe not quite perfectly caught up but we're gonna be close well uh, we're just gonna shit on 17 and 19 and 18 we're gonna we're gonna be uh critically evaluating why planeswalkers were reintroduced i liked 17 uh, give me kitty cats yeah, I feel like that was sarcastic because <laughs> 18 sucked ass. So obviously, thank you guys so much for checking it out and sticking with us through these two episodes on Commander 2016. Shout out to Bareth for the dope yeah, the proxies tokens and tokens. Proxies. Go, go check them out. Uh, shout um, out to all of you people who are following us on... I think his main base is Twitter, so go check him out on Twitter. Yeah, amaranthalchemy.com. Yeah. Uh, got his own website, dope. Uh, but yeah, shout out to all you guys who are you know, filling out the survey who are... Checking us out on socials. We are at UUD Podcast or at Untap Up Keep Drink. So check us out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I need to catch up on Drew's Brews, so that's my bad. 
And especially YouTube. We're really trying to make that kind of our home base. So go check out the videos. That's Eventually, YouTube's hard. YouTube just sucks. It's awesome, but it sucks for creators. It's hard. Yeah. But we are getting there. We're going to make this shit look good and for you guys. We're going to be moving to video. We are. As soon as we can. There's a lot. Turns out there's a lot that goes into that, which we did not realize <laughs> until we started to prep. Yeah, but we're getting there. We're uh, slowly accumulating the tools and uh, gear that we need to do that. So thank you so much for joining us. And as we like to say on this podcast, have fun. Please try some good scotches and let me know what's going on. 